Good morning. I'm just like gleaming right now. That was awesome. That was so much fun. Uh, thank you for that, guys. Uh, you guys nailed it. I know it was a ton of work to make that happen, but so grateful that you did it. Uh, welcome to Ripa Community Church. My name is Sam. I'm one of the pastors here. So glad you're here with us this morning. If you're watching online, thanks for being with us as well. We are in part two of a two-part series called Relationships Under Pressure. Relationships Under Pressure. And this week, this week, it's all about joy. It's about having joy in our relationships. And by the time you leave today, you're going to walk out with three simple actions that you can take that can have an immediate impact on the joy you get from your relationships and how you can ex experience that and have that. Because it's all about the joy. It's going to be a great Sunday this morning. Uh, I'm really happy that you're here. But first, we just got to talk about that song for a moment. Like, we just have to talk about that song because did you catch the lyrics? Like, did you read those things? That was nuts. It was amazing. Like, like first, it says, under pressure that burns a building down, splits a family in two, pe puts people on the street. Watching some good friends screaming, get me out. Keep coming up with love, but it's so slashed and torn. How true is that? Why can't we give love that one more chance? And it says, because love's such an old-fashioned word. And love dares you to care for the people on the edge of the night. This is ourselves under pressure. <laughs> the song, it was written like 40 years ago, which is mind-blowing to start with. 40 years ago, that song was written. And what's wild about that is like any good me music, it timelessly describes what it's like to be human, to be a person living in this world. There's pain. There's this doubting of, of the power of love. There's this feeling of being cynical about everything. It's all just not going to work. It all stinks. Uh, let's get out of it. They're seeing the damage of it all. Relationships, as you experience it, relationships are so often where the pressure falls. It, it hits our relationships. That's always been the case. It's been the case for the past two years in really significant ways. It's been the case for 40 years since this song was written. But even more than that, it's been the case for thousands of years, and we know this because it's all over the Bible. The, the Bible has been describing the impact of pressure on our relationships for thousands of years. You start with a guy named Paul. Paul wrote a number of the letters in the New Testament from different churches. He was writing to different churches, and, and there are these times where he'd experience life. He'd end up in prison. He'd be like on trial in front of people, and there's this one time that he talks about it in one of his letters. This is what it says. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he has done. Be careful of him, for he fought against everything we said. The first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them. Pressure hit Paul real hard and everybody leaves. Well, what about Jesus, right? Like Jesus has to get it all figured out. Like he, he invited 12 disciples to go around with him and teach with him. He walked and talked and spent life with them. They, they were just with each other all the time. That had to be just a really solid bond. And, and so finally, when like things really come to their climax and Jesus is in the garden and they come to take him away to his trial, you'd think like at that moment they would be ready to go. But then it says in Mark 14, 50, then all his disciples deserted him and ran away. Real nice of them, huh? Real nice. 
This is just how it's always been. This is our relationships under pressure. They get stretched. They're like a rubber band, and eventually they can't stretch any further, and they snap. So why do we even bother? Why do we even bother with them? I I know I've heard people ask that question plenty of times. Why do I even bother? It just never works out. It doesn't matter. I'm sick of it. Why do I even bother? Have you said that before? Here's the answer. As much as relationships have always felt the pressure of life, relationships have always been the thing that brings us the most joy at the very same time. Relationships are one of the primary tools God uses us to gift us joy. He gifts us joy through our relationships, and it's all over the Bible as well. I mean, the biblical account of creation talks about God forming Eve out of Adam's rib. You you know what his response is when he sees Eve for the first time? He says, at last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from a man. At last, right? I had to play that one. That was our first dance at our wedding. So I feel like I had to, but at last, right? At last. It's good. Can you imagine, right? Can you imagine Adam's eyes when he first sees Eve? Like he's been alone just with the animals. And all of a sudden Eve's there. He's like, at last. Wow. Well, a woman. Can you imagine the delight in that moment, the excitement and feeling alone? He's no longer alone. He has a partner, a friend. Tonight, or this morning, if you are married or dating or if you have ever been married or have ever dated any person in your life, it may not feel that way right now. There may be like normal everyday life stuff that's happening. But at one point in your life, in your past, with that relationship, there was this thing, this, this thing, this overwhelming joy that you experienced just being around them. Like, it just gives you that feeling, like, oh, I'm by them, it's great, it's awesome. It's the at last feeling, and in whatever, whether it's a romantic relationship or it's a friendship, the same can be true for both. It doesn't have to be romantic in order for you to feel that kind of joy with that person. Uh, if you've ever experienced it where you haven't seen a friend or a family member for a really long time, you walk up to them that you see them for the first time, and you just want to give them a big old hug. It's amazing. You feel this joy seeing them and being with them again. It's powerful. Paul is another example of this. Throughout his letters, he uh, writes about how much he longs to see people. He, he has these people that he's writing to, and, and they're not just random people spread throughout the world. No, these are his friends. He's gone through difficult parts of life with these people. He sent them out and trusted them to God. And he's writing to them saying, I can't wait to see you again. He cherishes these people. When you experience the goodness of another person, it, it fills you with joy. It fills you with joy. I sent an email out this week. And the title of the email was, uh, Some Things Aren't For Sale. 
Uh, if you didn't get that email and you'd like to, uh, you can do the QR code and sign up for the red card or there's red cards at the back tables. You can put your email on there and put it in the basket and you can get those. But in that email, I talked about this, this bike frame. I think we have it. This is the bike frame right there. Uh, and uh, I, I said how if somebody wanted to buy that bike frame, I wouldn't let them. For starters, because they wouldn't offer me near enough money because most bike frames are way more expensive than that one's worth now. So they wouldn't even offer me much. But if they offered me, I wouldn't sell it to them because I've had so many memories with that thing. I I've like gone and done races with that bike. I've gone on adventures with that bike. I've crashed and bloodied up my legs on that bike. Like that bike has some dents in it, and they remind me of things, and it is a special thing. This frame is not for sale because when I see it, I smile. And that's worth something. That's worth something. Some things are not for sale. And, and things like that, gifts or, or treasured possessions that feel like gifts for what they give you, they're not just valuable. Things like that grow in value. But here's the thing about gifts like that. Gifts only stay gifts if you care for them and choose to continue finding delight in them. That's the only way that gifts stay gifts. Delight. So that word, right? Delight. How many of you like being delighted? You can raise your hand. Yes. Like some businesses make it a thing. Like I'm going to delight our customers. And I love it when they delight their customers. It's great. I experience delight through those interactions. It's wonderful. But can you think of the things in your life that delight you? Like maybe a sunset or a sunrise. You just give in this delight by, by you stopping your tracks and you can't help but just stare for a little while. Or how about a cheeseburger, right? Like biting into a delicious cheeseburger. How many of you have experienced delight when biting into a delicious cheeseburger? It's a wonderful experience. I have done that many times. Or how about a particular clothing item? Like, like sometimes getting dressed in the morning is a little stressful. Things don't fit like you want them to. And there's sometimes just that one item of clothing where you know it's going to fit and you know you look halfway decent in it and you can walk around a little more confident in it. It's a delightful thing to have that item of clothing. Uh, maybe for you it's a fishing rod or a bow or, or a hunting rifle, these things that you've experienced fun adventures with or with people that you really care about. Or maybe you're those people that uh, save movie tickets or plane tickets or whatever tickets to whatever thing and you like look at them and it's just happy and you, you're excited to see them and it makes you happy about that. These are gifts, gifts that delight, they give you joy. But let's be honest here for a second. The feeling of delight is not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. Your fourth cheeseburger does not delight as much as the first one. <laughs> stops delighting so much. Not every sunset stops you in your tracks and forces you, to lift, lift, uh, forces you to watch it and just take the time to take it in. Not every sunset does that. Uh, some of your stuff, and you think it's a treasure right now, but some of your stuff will fade from treasure to trash or junk. It just happens over time. Why is that? Why does the delight fade? Why is the joy not just constantly new? And what does all of that have to do with our relationships? This morning, to 
experience joy. joy in your relationships, to be delighted by them over the long haul. It's not something that happens naturally. It doesn't happen naturally. Lifelong delight that leads to joy requires a few really important things. It's, it's CCP, not CCR. CCR is a band from the 60s, Creedence Clearwater Revival. This is CCP. Number one, care. It requires care. Number two, it requires curiosity. And number three, it requires presence. And these come straight from the Bible. It actually comes straight from the Bible's picture of what our relationship with God can look like. In Psalm 37, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn. And the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Notice what it says in there. It says, do good. Trust God. Take delight. Commit to God. These are actions. These are verbs. There's, there's an activeness to it. You have to be doing something. When we do these things, God, it says, causes our innocence to radiate. It says our justice of our cause will shine like the noonday sun. I just love that picture. It's, it's amazing to think about God causing that to happen in your life. That's equality relationships. When you do these things with God, he causes good things to happen in and through you. That's an incredible relationship. And this relationship we have with God, which that's exactly what it is. It's a relationship, and this is a picture of it. Relationships, they require active care. The more you invest in it, the more comes of it. Check out what comes next in, in the psalm. It says this in Psalm 37, 7. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about wi their wicked schemes. Be still. Man, ain't nobody got time to be still these days. Do you have time to be still? I don't have time to be still. I can't think about how many times I've been busy, right? We're, we're so busy. We've got kids to feed. We've got jobs to accomplish. We've got bills to pay. We've got games to watch. We've got Facebook to scroll. We've got TV shows to binge. Do you see what I did there? Did you experienced that maybe a little bit? I mean, it's true. We're busy. And it's also true that we do some things that we probably don't need to do. But the reality is that we all feel so busy. It's a thing. Many of us have experienced it in serious ways. We feel like we're redlining it every single day. And yet, that's how our relationship with God grows. By being still. Our relationships with friends, coworkers, spouse, family... They're different from our relationship with God. Let's be clear. Because for starters, God's perfect. And unless you know different friends than I know, your friends aren't perfect either, okay? None of us are perfect, but the principles still apply. That these three points, care, curiosity, presence, they work for our relationship with each other as well. And it starts with care. What does it look like to care in our relationships? You care by, by doing good for the person, you care by trusting and developing trust with that person. 
You care by being committed. I was thinking about that this week. And caring is kind of tricky. It's tricky. Because you need to know that your acts of care towards someone, they may not cause the person that you are, are working with and talking with and caring for, it may not cause that person to grow or change or develop in the way that you want or expect them to. Their growth or, or change is in part dependent on your care, but you cannot force your spouse or friend to change who they are or how they act. You cannot force them to do that, however much you try. Your actions and care cannot guarantee growth or change for someone. Your actions can, on the other hand, prevent growth. Your actions can stunt them from changing. But we don't change people. God does. God does that. We can help produce and provide a safe environment for someone to grow in, but we cannot force it. This is both scary and exhilarating. To watch your friends and coworkers or maybe your spouse grow. Our care for them is the thing that produces an environment for them to grow, on, grow in. It's kind of like gardening. You don't know exactly if it's going to grow perfectly. It might be a seed that just doesn't work there. But when you're gardening, you water it. You keep the weeds out. You make sure there's enough, enough fertilizer. And with enough of that, there should be growth. But you don't have control over the growth thing. You just have control over the environment. It's not, uh, I did that nice thing for you. Now you better step up your game and do the nice thing for me. That's not this. It's I care about you. I'm helping our home and our workplace to be healthy and God-honoring. You can grow here is what you're trying to tell them. That's what care does. It, it primes the environment. That's number one. Number two, stay curious. I, I've run through South Woods. Uh, so many times, uh, like hundreds of times. And I enjoy it. It's one of my favorite places to go. I go there in the Sresco Prairie and the trails behind the College Athletic Center. They're awesome. If you haven't checked them out, you should. It's really fun. But I've run through them so many times. But whenever uh, I go there with my kids, so Meg and I, we get all the kids in the car and we go to Southwoods and we go hiking around. You know what happens? What happens is uh, I see things I've never seen before. Why? Because my kids are curious. My kids are curious, and they go off the trail. Like, they go explore places we're probably not supposed to be, but they're going to do it. They go and find it, right? They, they inspect things more closely than I ever have in years. But because of that, I see things I've never seen before, and it's all because they're more curious than I am. It's so much fun. It's great. Why is that the case? Because curiosity is at the root of delight. Curiosity is at the root of delight. We delight in God by exploring the unending intricacies of his character. By being curious about who God is. That's how we experience delight with God. There is no end to learning about, understanding more, and being amazed by God. When the psalmist says, take delight in the Lord, that's what it's talking about. 
The same can be true for our relationships. Delight comes from curiosity. How do you stay curious? Maybe you're feeling like, man, I don't know what we talk about anymore. I'm not really sure. I feel like I can't learn anything new anymore. Just ask some questions. Ask some questions. If you don't know what to ask, do a Google search. Questions to ask your friend or spouse or somebody else or coworker to know more about them. There's literally like this 23 questions to intimacy thing that I did once. It was weird and awkward, but it was great. You guys can laugh. That's okay. I can't believe I did that. I Googled it and did it. It was fun. It was so much fun. You can start with these questions where you just get to know the person just a little bit more. And I'm going to give you some softballs, okay? When you leave this place and you want to spend time with somebody you care about and you want to get to know them a little bit more, here are three questions you can ask. Number one, what's your favorite smell? Weird question, right? I asked my wife that last night, and she said, well, there's two different options for that. Like, is it just the smell because of the pureness of the smell? Or is it the smell because of memory because they're really tied close together? And she said it was smell, if it was smell because of memory, it was dill because it reminded her of her grandma. It's pretty sweet, right? She found out something interesting. Go ahead and ask that of your spouse later or somebody else that you care about. Ask what, they, what the, their favorite smell is. Or how about this one? If you could get takeout from anywhere in the entire planet without worrying about time or money or any of that stuff, where would you get it? If you thought about that, it's really fun. <laughs> There's a place in Oshkosh called Cindy's, and I would totally get it from there. Not Oshkosh. Chicago. I would get it from there. And it's, it's amazing. It's really great. That would be the place I'd get it from. Or how about this one? If you had to choose one, mountaintop, Oceanside or around a campfire? Which one would you choose? These are fun questions, right? These are really fun questions. Here's what you'll find when you ask these questions later. Your friend, your coworker, your spouse, they're a moving target. They're a moving target. Some of their answers to those questions, like five years ago, will have changed. How many of you are the exact same person as you were five years ago? Raise your hand. All right, nobody, right? Nobody is. Your interests and your preferences and things that annoy you or delight you, they've shifted. You've grown and developed. Your friends, your spouse, your coworkers, they're the same. They've changed. They've shifted. They've grown. I want you to take a moment right now, and I want you to look at somebody around you that you came with or whatever. Look around you and look at them and say this one thing when I count to three. Say, you've changed. Ready? One, two, three. <gasps> No way, you changed. I can't believe it. Meg and I, uh, we've been together since we were 15. I was 15 years when I started dating her. She's the only girl I've ever taken out on a date by driving her place. It's pretty wild, right? So we started dating when we were 15. We went to colleges four hours or four, excuse me, for four years, six hours apart. So we had to drive. We had a lot of phone time. <laughs> we got married. We had a kid, and then another kid, and then another kid. We had job changes, all kinds of different things. And embracing the change that we've done in that time has been one of the best things about our relationship. i got to be real with you. I love her more now and who she is now than I did when, she was, when I first fell in love with her. And she, that was amazing. Like I was head over heels. But I love her more now because I've loved watching her change and grow. All of us are moving targets. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Move with them. Be curious. Delight in the ways that they're growing. That's how we find new details, new intricacies, things that we get to enjoy about them. 
Now, if you're married and you're here this morning or you're listening online and you're struggling, please know you're not alone. Marriages have taken the brunt of a whole lot of the pressure over these past couple of years. Curiosity is a potential key to opening the door, to having things in common again, things to talk about again. It's, it's how to maybe be surprised again, to see their eyes light up just a little bit again, to laugh together again, to, to get some of those first feelings again. But, but none of this is a silver bullet. None of these things will immediately fix everything. All of these things can help if you're both willing. They can help. Which brings me to the third point. Number three, be present. Psalm says to be still in the presence of the Lord. This is how you get to know God better. How many of you have ever eaten lunch and not tasted it? A couple of you, okay. How many of you have ever been talking to someone and the person you're talking to is just scrolling and listening and yep, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm, and then you say something important and they realize after they, you said it that it was important, they should have been listening and then they proceed to pretend that they know what you were talking about? Anybody? 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 How many of you have experienced that on that end? How many of you have been that person? <laughs> Me, I've been that person. Raise your hand if you're listening right now. Okay, a couple of you, good. Bring you back here, bring you back. You cannot find joy without paying attention. You cannot find joy without paying attention. God has hidden a hundred million surprises and gifts right in front of us, right in front of our eyes, and all that's needed is to just look up. Slow down, be present, see it for ourselves. And this is the most true in our relationships. The person you call your husband or wife, that, that friend that you've known for forever, those people are full of surprises. You may know them better than anybody else on the entire planet, but you don't have to stop getting to know them. The only way to witness these surprises, to get a fuller depth with which to know this person is to pay attention, to be present, to expect to learn something new. You may be surprised at the ways in it, it can actually bring you joy in your relationship and in your life. You might actually be delighted by it. So this is how we do it. Just like with our relationship with God, we, we care, we're curious, we're present, CCP. These are three simple actions and, and biblical principles that we can take to immediately improve our relationships, to be delighted by them just a little bit more, to experience more joy in them. Yet, please, this morning, know I'm not naive. These are helpful things that can relieve some of the pressure that our relationships have been under. They can offer some hope and and maybe even a little excitement, but, but like the song says, right? The song says, because love is such an old-fashioned word. And love dares you to care for the people and the edge of the night. And it talks about love being slashed and torn. Love is a risk. 
Love is a risk. And there's no silver bullet. These actions are not going to immediately make all the problems and struggles go away. Either everything will not suddenly get better. Improvement in your relationships is a gradual and steady thing that, that requires effort. And the, the effort is really well worth it. So I encourage you to put in the effort. It's how we can continue practicing representing Jesus well. Care, curiosity, presence. And if you haven't gotten one of these bracelets about representing Jesus well, grab one on your way out. We just have a few left. But it's all ways of being like Jesus to the people in our lives. In my experience, the effort of doing those things will be most fruitful when it's Jesus who's leading them. Like it says in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, it says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. The second one mentioned is joy. Right after love. Must be important. Relationships are one of the primary ways God gifts us joy. And they're messy. Because communication is messy. Maybe you've noticed my, my sweatshirt this morning. I don't know if you've noticed it or not. This is a gift from my wife from Christmas. It says, uh, yeah, no. No, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Or no, yeah, no. Do you know what those things mean? Some of you do because you're from the Midwest. Some of you are like, what is he talking about? <laughs> For a really quick quiz, what does yeah, no mean? You can shout it out, right? It means? No. All right. What does no, yeah mean? Yeah. All right. What does yeah, no, yeah mean? All right. Maybe. There you go. And then what does uh, no, yeah, no mean? Probably not, right? Uh, this is the full list of them. No, yeah means yes. Yeah, no means no. Yeah, no for sure, definitely. Yeah, no, yeah means I'm sorry. Unfortunately, the answer is yes. No, yeah, no means oh, yeah, no, nothing to worry about. Or whelp, exclamation before it's time to go, or I guess that's how it goes. Ope is shorthand for an apology. Um, that's a fun one. It's a little confusing. So is communication with our coworkers and our friends and our family and our spouses. So in all of this, in our care, in our curiosity, in our presence, just give it some grace. Give it the kind of grace that you've experienced from Jesus. Ask some questions before you get offended. Ask, hey, what did you mean by that? Not, what did you mean by that? Like, you know, yeah, what did you mean by that? Or, hey, I think you meant this. Am I right? I heard you say this. Am I right? Ask those questions because that's a gift of grace. That's a gift of not escalating. It's a, it's a gift of having a good conversation. Don't assume the worst. Assume the best. If you want this, if you want to care for others, if you want to have curiosity and learn more about people, if you want to be present with people, and if you want to douse all of that with the grace that only Jesus can give us, I'm going to say a prayer and ask God to help us do that this week and in the weeks to come. If you want those things for yourself, would you pray with me? Dear God, thank you so much for your grace and your example for how to live. God, we have a relationship with you that as we are caring about it and as we're curious about who you are and as we're present with you, that relationship grows. God, we ask that you would help us to 
extend those same actions towards the people in our lives, our friends, our coworkers, our spouses, our family. Help us to care and be curious and to be present. And God, give us the grace that we need to do that well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So good to be here with you this morning. I hope you had fun talking about relationships the past couple weeks. I just have a few really awesome things that are happening next week. Uh, Starting next week, we're going to start a brand new series called The Life You Actually Want. We're calling it that because how many of you have ever been sold this idea of there's a life you've always dreamed of out there? And how many of you have ever, like, experienced it? Anybody? Anybody? Next week, we're talking about this life that God gives us and offers us, the life you actually want, and it is going to be so good. I hope you'll be here for it. Also happening is community groups. If you haven't been in a community group, you've got to get in one. You can sign up through the red card or through that QR code. Go sign up for one of those. And then uh, the last thing here is, is we're having an epic event all about relationships, kind of tying all this stuff up. We're going to have some, some, a great speaker and a great uh, set of uh, panels. It's going to be so fun. Some real talk about all the relationship stuff you want to talk about happening on the 10th of February. With all that, man, it's so good to be here. Let's all stand up and let's get worshiping again.